This is Chris. And this is Andrew. And once again, welcome back to Video Games Cover to Cover. Uh, this is chapter 22 of Dragon Quest XI Definitive Edition S, Echoes of an Elusive Age, episode 77 total. And in this episode, we're, we're, we're coming up pretty close to the end of Act 2 here. At least that's how it felt when we were getting to this point, because... As we left off last time, we were talking to... Pretty sure this is the actual end of Act 2, where we're at. Yeah. Fair enough, yes. So as we left off in the last episode, we were talking to the Watcher, and we got flashbacks from the original Luminary and his crew telling us where we should go, like, how they prepared to fight... Mordigan. And so now we've got to go get some ore and a forging hammer and the forge to use it. And the, the ore is in this place called the Battlefields, apparently, because it was a battlefield fight over all this ore. There's the the hammer is in Galopolis and the forge is in Hato. It's actually not in Hato. It's the mountain. The volcano itself is the forge. So those are our objectives. Well, no, there's a forge in the volcano. Okay, yes, but like it's like there's an actual gigantic forge, but it's kind of like Mordor, I guess. Uh, but, yeah, it's using the volcano as the heat, for, like the for the forge. You're right. It's like it's not. There's an actual forge built into it. This is some real special ore. I mean, I I don't know how. I don't know how to put this into words. I mean, they fought wars over this ore. Turns out, you know, complete surprise to me, but it turns out that the only ore capable of slaying evil is apparently, like, worth a lot of money. Right. So, I do have a question. Is this where Eric was held captive because it had kind of a similar layout we just never saw like the inner areas where the thing is but i don't know i believe so yes i i think this is where he eric was at that that was what i thought even though we didn't specifically go back to the same part of this area this floating i mean it's definitely a floating island that he fell from and there's only a couple of options for that but yeah i i think you're right i'm pretty sure it is this one because i don't I it's not after we fight the sword, but we do see Ignis again at some point, and I remember, oh hey, it's that guy that that held Eric captive. Yeah, not, not that that actually has anything to do with what was just brought up. <laughs> I was just saying because that happens in Mordigan's fortress that we'll be getting to after we get the sword. Yeah, so that's the first stop is we're going to go get this ore and. To be honest, I was really surprised by how uneventful getting the ore was. Like, I was all gearing up for, you know, a big boss fight or something, especially because this looks like the place where Eric was. So I figured we were going to fight that guy that we were just talking about, that Eric 
you know, broke his armor a little bit, but didn't finish off. And nope, it's just a big, long path with some monsters. That's it. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't really know what you were expecting. I was expecting a boss or something. It's just very anticlimactic, I guess, for... They weren't even sure if they were going to get the ore. Yeah, there's like one ore vein left, because of course there is. That's how these things always work. There's exactly one left, right? Just Which enough. seems a little odd. I mean, it if sure this does. whole place is a battleground to the point where they said that, like, nobody even goes here anymore because it's, like, blanketed and evil because of all the ridiculous battles that happened. You're really going to tell me that there's only one vein left? Like, they tapped it out and then started fighting wars over it? That doesn't make any sense. Yeah, and if they fought the war over it, why would they leave one one little bit left? Like, how dare you? Ah, uh, you, you took all the ore, murder! I mean, maybe that's why everybody died, because they all had weapons with this amazing ore, and it was, like, way too powerful. I don't know. This ore is so powerful. One swing is able to destroy armies. <laughs> I mean... I mean, if that's the case, then this stuff should be real easy. This Mortigan business. I mean, I played Dragon Quest Heroes, so there's something that can apparently do that, because that's the Dynasty Warriors of Dragon Quest, so... But it wasn't this, as far as I'm aware. Completely unrelated. So, the, the ore is relatively anticlimactic. The only thing that really happens here is, like Chris was saying, Eric gets very excited because of how much money this ore would be worth, and for a brief minute, the game tries to psych you out to suggest that Eric's gonna try to steal it or something, or, but... He doesn't do that, and it, it's not even a long psych out. It's like two seconds where it wants to imply that he's going to be, you know, a shady thief guy. And then he's like, I know, I know, I, I don't care. It doesn't matter how much it's worth. We need it. I I, I don't think it was implying that he was just going to steal it. I think it was more implying that he was like, man, we should really just sell this for like a ton of money. It it. To me, it more implied that he just wanted to sell it because it's worth so much, not that he was he was going to straight up steal. I mean, what's he going to do? He's he's going to, like, knock us out in our sleep or something and, and take it? The know, fact that them. he was even mentioning it multiple times, everyone would have been like, okay, well, we got to watch Eric when, he, when he's asleep now. <laughs> Yeah, okay, maybe that maybe steal it and betray you was 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 overselling it a little bit. But yeah, it, he just has that, oh man, this is worth so much money. We definitely shouldn't just use it for this, uh, but I guess we gotta. Yeah, because he was like, you know, I really wish that, that Mia was here to see this. She she would just go crazy. I'm like, wow. So you clearly didn't learn the lesson that she was supposed to learn. After all this, maybe greed isn't so, uh, so special, buddy. Like the very first thing he says is, yo guys, we should totally sell this. Like, I know we need this for evil, but if Mia was here, she'd love this. <laughs> oh, okay. So like, you're just assuming she didn't learn her lesson from turning to gold and then turning into an evil creature and then having you almost murder her in front of literally the entire party. Buddy, Eric, you're sending real mixed messages here, man. 
I'm not I'm not sure what you're about, but I I feel like I'm not picking up what you're putting down, buddy. Or I guess I am picking it up, but I do not approve. Yeah, that's the thing. We're picking up the message, but the message is that he learned nothing from the whole ordeal with his sister. But again, that's literally like all that happens in this battlefield, despite the battlefield itself being a relatively long dungeon. Like there's a lot of area to cover to get to this ore, but it's just a thing. Uh, So next up, we've got to go to Galapolis. And once again, Galapolis is relatively quick in a way I wasn't entirely expecting because everything in this game has taken a long time to resolve. Now, that's not to say nothing happens. Definitely some stuff happens here. But it's also very in and out, and there's like nothing, you know, no boss, no major. There's not even really a dungeon. There's just a couple scenes you have to go through. But they are big. So... You head to Galapolis, and everyone there is freaking out because Erdwin's lantern, the moon, I guess, is going to crash, or is is getting closer, and they're very concerned it's going to crash into Galapolis because it's directly under it in the desert area. So there's this whole scene of a taco thing, but like. You're skipping, like, a ton of stuff, man. I am? Because the taco yeah. is, like, right when you show up. What do you mean? What, what, what am I skipping? We haven't even talked to the king yeah, yet. Yeah, but when you first walk into the city, there's that thing of the, the luminary staring at the weird taco thing that it doesn't get commented on until it shows up again later. That's what I was talking about. Oh, uh, when... when It, like, Savando's walks on top of Rab his whole and stuff. story yeah. or whatever. Somebody's telling a story and you're not paying attention literally the entire time because you're looking at this taco, and then it actually gives you the option to have them say it again. Yes, which I thought was kind of a cool touch. Yeah, but the, the, the taco is different from all the others because it's like black, which I was actually thinking, is that the same one that showed up in the beginning of the game that like spied on you through the window right before the disaster? It's been ages. I am not the person to ask here, buddy. I'm gonna have to go back and look at that because, but it's been it's been ages. But I swear, that's that's, something you should have looked up before we started. I literally just no way I was gonna remember that. But regardless, this like the luminary, whoever it is telling the story. I thought it was Rab. It may have been Silvando. I'm not sure, but is telling this story, and you can kind of hear talking in the background. But he gets he like fades out because you're literally watching this this thing and it just kind of walks on everybody's heads and stuff and none of them can see it because apparently the luminary is the only person who can see them as has been established and then yes it asks you specifically hey uh you weren't listening were you should i repeat all of that i'm pretty sure it was i could have sworn it was um it was silvando i mean maybe it was i thought it was rab but i could be misremembering it might it might have been rab i don't really care about what he is. (laughs) His whole thing. So after you get this little spiel, you have to go talk to the the king, and unsurprisingly, they're very concerned about the whole falling uh, moon. You know, very Majora's Mask, it's going to crash and everything's going to be terrible. So, on a plus side, we actually get to see some character development from uh, the prince, because now he gets to be cool. Or at least, you know, somewhat brave and not the super coward that he used to be. 
because now the situation is almost completely reversed because he he's like, oh, I'm going to go and investigate this and, with some scientists and we're going to try to find out what's going on. And the king is like, no, you can't do that. It's too dangerous. And I'm like, this is literally the opposite of how everything was last time we were here. And I thought that was kind of funny. Yeah, he actually, like you were saying, instead of he's like arguing with his with his father to let him leave. And he's like, no, we have to do this. We have to do this. We don't know what this thing is. And we have to go take care of whatever this is. We have to stop it somehow. Although I'm really confused because what is going on with this whole thing anyway? Because I thought, I don't think we find out that it's the guiding light here because I don't think we find that out until Rab has a chance to actually look at it. Because we're all under the impression that this big evil thing is about to destroy the, the city. Right. Yeah. We That's all the information that we have at this point. It, that was the story that was being told, though, was talking about like the legend of it, that this was supposedly, it's called Erdwin's Lantern, because allegedly the old luminary like ascended into this mood, it, like watches over everybody now, is, is the legend. And typically... In a game like Dragon Quest, I would assume that because it's a legend, that totally means it's 100% true or something, but uh, it doesn't really hang out as a plot point for very long. So you go out with Ferris because he you know, leaves, even though his, he never gets his dad's blessing. He just like stomp, stomps off and goes to do it because that's who he is now, which is good for him. He's like the only NPC in the game who's like taking initiative, so... <laughs> I mean, yeah, but then he's also, like, an idiot still. Yeah, kind of, but I mean, like, at least he's not a coward anymore, so he's improved. He so, so he's not a coward, but he's the knight that just rushes in with zero information and no knowledge. Even though we're all right there, and he knows that we're capable people. Like, he just seems, like, I'm, again, you're right. Good for him for not being a coward anymore, but... He, he, it's extremes with this guy. He's either an unbelievable coward who doesn't want to do anything and then take credit for other people's deeds, or he's like the most brave person that's ever existed and is just going to run in there like Don Quixote attacking windmills. <laughs> nice reference. I appreciate that. Like he just, it's only extremes with this guy. And, and that's kind of annoying to me because it's like, he could have said, hey, will you come with me? You've, you're obviously capable. But he's like, no, we got to go now. Okay, so then you go talk to the king, and the king's like, hey, um, dude, you want to go help him out? Because I don't know what's going on, but none of this seems good. Also, I never believed that you were evil to begin with. I mean, thanks for mentioning that now. <laughs> I'm like, well, that was an awful weird thing to say. You know, now that you know for a hundred percent fact that it wasn't me and that it was Mortigan, it's too super cool that you mentioned this now. I mean, to be fair, he never tried to like attack you or anything or have you arrested the way the other kings did. So on some level, that rings true, but it is really weird to just bring it up. No, I know. I'm just saying it. It does seem a little. I mean, like really, it'd be a lot different if it was like. Um, you know, King Carnelian being like, oh, I knew you were always a good guy. You literally tried to have me executed. Yes, you were possessed, but come on, man. 
I'm glad that you're hopping on the that guy sucks train. No, I'm not saying that. I should be like, if you tried to say I mean, that, that's like... the train that you should be hopping on because he sucks. <laughs> the The only problem with the King of Galapolis is that apparently he can't manage his finances for anything. Yeah, that guy's, it doesn't really seem like he should be the king. Yeah, he seems to um be broke constantly. What a surprise that there's foreshadowing in the fence in the fact that oh yeah I totally sold that super important thing that has been in our family for generations just so I could throw this massive party for my son. Okay, dude. Yeah, like um, uh, I mean, selling an heirloom is something that sometimes you know maybe you got to do that, but you should probably plan on like making that money last, not blowing it all on one party saying hey you know he's got a threat he loves his parties and the people certainly seem to have an awful good time well you know you gotta teach them all how to the, to sell ice cream and then everything's solved right well that's exactly what i did and yeah. it seemed to work out so far <laughs> oh no that was you no i didn't do the i ice told cream. him I... to suck it up and deal with it oh. because he's bad at his job no, I told him to, uh, I gave him some food, but I got yeah, the ice no, cream. No, I enough. told him that he was an idiot. <laughs> I'm like, hey, stupid, you should have figured this out yourself. Like, what are you, a moron? And then I was like, do the rain dance. And he's like, okay. He did the rain dance and it worked because that's just how weather works, apparently. You know, it's a world of magic. So the idea of a rain dance being a thing that actually works is not the weirdest thing to happen i don't know why wouldn't he just hire a mage that knows how to do water spells then like have somebody cast crackle all over the place so ice melts and eventually turns into water if magic can just magically somehow solve all problems i feel like they would have tried that already yeah i mean that's a fair point i hadn't thought about that but that is certainly an option, but that's going back a ways. There's no reason to to cover that ground again, other than as we've established, he is really, really bad at like long term planning. So the I'm idea just saying that that's why wizards in basically that's why magic is essentially broken in all forms of everything. Because I mean, when yes, magic man. is an actual thing, it solves all of your problems. There's basically nothing that magic couldn't potentially solve. Yeah, I mean, typically you got to have some pretty strict rules around your magic if you want it to be a situation where people can't be like, why don't you just cast a spell to do this? But that's a kind of a challenging situation for sure, to put it mildly. Anyway, so we have to go with Ferris to, to, to take a look at what's going on here. He runs off, even the, the scholar that he tries to take with him to get more information... Because somebody had claimed that there was writing on it. I don't remember if it was the prince who said that or if somebody else had reported that. But So he was trying to take a scholar to go out there and read the writing and maybe they could find a clue as to what's going on. The scholar refuses to go and just stays at the edge of like the, the desert. And Ferris, just, like you were saying, just barrels off on his own anyway. Like yeah, I actually he's standing there yelling at him like, "Oh, are you some sort of a coward?" I'm like, if, "Maybe you should be." I mean, to be fair, I don't think he was being super reckless until the point where like the scholar won't go and he won't go anyway cuz like now what are you hoping to accomplish? You can't get the information. 
Wait, like at this I... point, he's just gonna walk up there and be like, "Oh, cool! Everything's awesome! This is great!" That's sure well, is it's a big not. rock. Because you walk up there and he's like falling on the ground or something, and he's looking up and he's like, "Oh man, it really is beautiful." And so Rab, with an actual like genius level intelligence, apparently walks up with his telescope thing like yeah but like opera glasses binoculars sort of thing whatever you want to call it and just like starts reading it and as he's reading it the thing starts activating but it seems to be activating because of this that same toggle but yeah, nobody the, the else same. can see the toggle yeah, only the luminary can see him just like before. But yeah, he's just like standing there and like doing some kind of ritual thing to bring the, the moon closer. And the taco says something about how, oh, it's you, you're finally here. And then we find out that this is actually like a part of the guiding light and that this taco seems to be activating it somehow. Rab, like... They do one of those things where everybody's like, hey, we got to go. This is getting really bad. And Rab's like, just a minute, just a minute. And he eventually reads, I think it was Kalasmos. Is that right? That sounds right. But at this point, everybody's like, well, this thing's going to crash and we're all going to die. We got to run. But it never actually crashes because something swoops in and says something about, no, I'm not going to let you and just destroys the moon. It's not something. That's that's Mortigan, man. Yeah. That's like Mega Evil Super Ultimate Mortigan with his Mega Evil Sword runs up and destroys the Guiding Light. And then this moronic prince goes, Our savior! He saved everybody! I can't wait to go back and tell him! And we're like, uh, bro, that's the dude trying to kill everybody. You guys are all morons, and you don't know what you're talking about. He's our savior. Okay, dude. Like, how many times do we have to prove you wrong? I mean, in this one instance, he may have saved some people, but we should probably investigate why he did that. Yeah, and I don't even think he saved people. If anything, the guiding light would have just activated and then given the luminary something that he needed. Because it seemed like it was activating, and just like before, the guiding light would have probably just, like, come into you or something, but Mortigan destroys it, and we have no information on what it actually is except a name. Yes. That, that we then take back to the king. Yeah, so this is essentially the entire... Galapagos section and by you know like I said there's really not a whole lot of uh there's like basically no fighting or whatever and it's very quick but unlike the battlefield there's actually you know some stuff that happened um and including Mortigan destroying something that we have absolutely no context about so when we go back to report you get the information um the prince gets there first and tells him everything so we don't have to go through all that and then he's like hey uh we need this forging hammer thing you got what no that's been in the royal family for ages i was going to sell it for this year's sand national are you serious dude are you serious right now how many t how many no you didn't say that the the prince said that i thought the prince is because i thought the prince was like no you're not you're gonna give it to them because they helped us 
no, the prince was like, hey, dad, you shouldn't just be giving away all of our stuff. Do you remember what happened last time? And he's like, yeah, but this is the luminary. We're going to support the luminary is literally the only person that can save us. We're going to give them everything that they need. Now, in this case, his son was the one. I don't know if he was talking about selling it or whatever, but his son specifically said, no, do not give it to them. You can't just keep giving away all of our stuff. I thought he was saying, hey, no, you can't go sell it because that's a terrible idea. But I it's been long enough that I guess I don't 100 percent remember the conversation. Regardless, it's very clear to me, <laughs> but regardless, we do get that hammer. Now you say that, but then watch me be the one who's correct. And then everybody's going to call you out again. Just saying. I, I mean, I'm pretty certain of this. Somebody might have mentioned selling it, but I know for a fact, the prince said, you can't just go around selling, giving away all of our stuff, dad. Yeah. And that's what I was saying. I thought he said that in the context of no, stop selling all of our treasures, not can't give it to the luminary. Yeah, I'm pretty sure the context is you can't give it to the luminary because just because he asks for it. Just to be sure, that is the context that I'm talking about. I don't know what you're talking about, about some party or anything like that. I mean, you're the one with a theory that you didn't even corroborate at the beginning of this episode. So how can I take anything you say at face value? What theory that we didn't even co- collaborate at the end of the, the game? The tackle. Was uh, that the one that spied on you in the very beginning of the game? Oh, yeah. I, I'm i not claiming it was. I'm just like, hey, that's how, I feel like I remember that, but I'm not sure. I'm openly admitting I don't know, but that sounds that that is like in the back of my brain. So now we've got the ore and the hammer. So now we just have to go to the forge, which, as we established, is in Hato. We're in the Mount Huji, I believe is what it's called. The, the mountain that Hato is like at the base of. You can't go into the mountain right away, though, because it's been it's got the same gate that it's had for a while. So you have to go to the city and there we actually finally run into a, a problem that needs solving that we actually have to do something about. It doesn't just immediately get resolved for us. So there's this beast that is preventing them from making their pilgrimage to the volcano to, to give it tribute so that it won't erupt. That this is apparently a tradition they've been doing for a while. I'd really like to know that this whole section is incredibly confusing because what does a while mean? Like when we first get there, period, she talks about how her son was just lost in battle with this dragon creature. Right. I mean, yeah, it's been like three months or whatever, but how long has this tradition been going on? I I took it as like a once a year sort of thing. That How is that even remotely possible? They literally just did this whole ritual with the, the dragon thing. Yes, but the, the what they're saying is the ritual is not anything to do with the dragon. It's we have to go offer tribute to the volcano. It has nothing to do with the dragon. All the town is saying that the dragon is dead, remember? But the ritual is irrelevant to that. All right, well, I guess we'll just fast forward and have this conversation again in about 10 minutes. Uh, so, so essentially, you meet the woman who is going to be sacrificed, and her two kids are like, yeah, no, I don't want to be, we don't want well, her to go. So as it turns out, the, getting slightly ahead there, because the beast that was keeping everybody off the mountain was these two kids in a costume. 
that was just basically scaring everybody. And these two kids specifically mentioned that they've been doing this ritual for a long time, but this is the first time they've wanted to do a person. It's always been like grain, which is why I'm like, okay, this has been like an annual thing that they always do. It's just that this time they want to sacrifice this woman and not just like food. Okay, that part I might have missed then. So it might just be a tradition that's happened for a long time, but yeah. I had no idea that it had anything to do with anything other than people. Right. Because and that's why I was so confused on all this, because I was like, um, what? How could they possibly have been sacrificing people this long? That doesn't make any sense, based off of information we're about to find out. Yeah, so... We have to go investigate what's going on with this volcano because the kids are for, uh, entirely understandably don't want anything to happen to their mom. And they're also like, you know, there's some big secret that she's trying to cover up that's got to be what this is all really about. So you go and you find out that the dragon that she or the, the beast that she's been insisting is dead, that she and her son killed is alive and in in the volcanoes thing. And they're like, oh, that's what's going on. They're going to sacrifice her. They want to sacrifice our mom to the volcano. Did you notice also, and this is slightly an aside, but when the kid, when like the son was talking, he didn't do haiku. And then when he goes to the town and tries to talk to the townspeople, he starts doing it. I just thought that was kind of funny. Yeah, it's like man, a- I, to- I totally noticed that. Oh, Man, I don't know one how of the you first did. things I picked up on. I don't know how you don't notice that because it's such an obvious and distinct way of speaking. Like, it's so stilted. I told you before I didn't give a crap about what a haiku was. Why do you think I do now? I figured after we had to have that talk about it, you would have remembered that. I'm not going to start counting, like, words and syllables in every single thing that they say. This this seems like just absolute horrible. It's not even a matter Why of counting. Earth? It's the fact that they like split all their things into three lines when nobody else does. Like that make that's already obvious. Sure. Okay. Regardless. Totally obvious. I definitely picked up on that. Anyway. So yes, you go and I mean don't don't get me wrong, Andrew. It is a cool thing that is in there. I guarantee you I'm not the only one that d- did not notice or did not care. No, I'm I'm sure you're not. I'm just I thought it was kind of an interesting thing that they did that he like talks normally until he has he starts talking around the villagers and then he like forces himself to do it that way. Yeah. And no, I I, I will agree that is really cool having known that now, but yeah, there's like no way that I would have picked up on that. And for those of you out there who love haikus, I'm not just dumping on haikus. Like, <laughs> if there was a poem or some other thing, like, I'm not, I am not ever going to notice that, ever. It's I mean, nothing to do with just hating on haikus or anything. Like, it just does not matter to my day to day. I mean, at least you noticed the mermaid's rhyme. Because if, if you hadn't noticed that, I would have had to give you some crap, because that was really obvious. Sure. Okay, did you forget that? Because I know you, we specifically talked about that, too. I guess. <laughs> okay. Like, all I, I see dialogue. And, like, it, it's it's sort of the same thing that my wife has with subtitles. Like, I find it hard to pay attention when people are actually talking to me because I can see the words on the screen, so I just read it real quick. And then I'm like, oh, cool, I don't need to hear the rest of this. The only time I actually pay attention to anything is if I'm 
basically I get enough for the story and I really don't I like I don't care that they're rhyming. I don't care that people are talking in haikus. I don't care that this that Sniffleheim is a direct copy and paste from Frozen. None of that matters to me at all. I feel like you're destroying our bread here because if we're talking about like cover to cover and read it like like a book and stuff and you're sitting here like none of this stuff is ma- matters. We don't need to pay attention to that. Like, none of that stuff matters to me. That is why you are here. <laughs> that stuff is cool, but I'm never going to notice it. I'm not going to notice that. Yes, I noticed that they rhymed. Did I pay attention to the fact that they rhymed constantly? No. To me, that just doesn't like... It doesn't matter to me because oh, yeah. it like has no impact I don't on know the actual story. Matters is the right thing so much as just that is a like quirk that they gave them that then somebody had to write all the dialogue is rhyming and stuff. And for that person, I feel heavily for them. Maybe that person is so unbelievably angry about the fact that they have to keep writing poems and haikus and rhymes. That they're like, okay, I'm also the same person who gets to choose Jade's dialogue. So <laughs> let's just like completely destroy this because I'm so angry. So are you saying like in Japanese, it's a completely different thing and maybe they like super respected her? And it's a I, translator who has to write all this stuff, which is like, screw that. It's possible. It is possible. I'm going to say probably not likely, but we can keep the hope alive. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll go ahead and just register that as probably not likely in the in the bin of of talking points. Just yeah. like next time when we play a game, you're like, hey, man, did you notice that they like talked in this really specific way? No, I didn't. But that's cool. <laughs> I'm glad you did. So that way we can cover all of our bases. That is that's your literal job. And yet here you are. A couple weeks ago telling me how everything I do is needs improvement. Yeah, you're doing better. You're about to get a fully meets. <laughs> but with that attitude, you're going to be right back down in the gutter, man. I wanted to give you a full uh, an exceed, but you just have to keep throwing your performance review in my face. It's not my fault. You know, I'm not the one who makes these decisions. I am the one that has to put marks down and I don't like doing it. I don't like being in the position that I'm in. It's not, I'm not the one who does it. I'm just literally the one who does it. That, that's I know we have a certain set of rules and standards that we gave ourselves <laughs> and your jobs. We never had this conversation. So I think you gave us. No, okay. We've had this conversation numerous times. You're the guy who goes into the details. And then I'm the guy that's like, oh yeah, that's pretty cool. No, I had no idea. I would have never seen it. I'm like the average Joe who's looking in on, I was about to say Disgaea, but Dragon Quest for the first time. And my takeaways are, uh, they hate women, they disrespect LGBTQ, they are are basically just genuine creeps and I'm probably never ever going to play another Dragon Quest after this experience. The only thing that has been good about this entire game at this point outside of like story or anything like that is gameplay. 
It is the only thing that I've enjoyed. I thought you really were enjoying Act 1. It's just been Act 2 that's really been a downer. Correct. But the problem is that Act 2 is apparently like the end of the game for most people. Most people end the game at 2. Yeah. Because apparently Act 3 is after you've already beaten the game. Yeah, it's all post-game, as we discovered, and we'll be talking about here shortly. But, yeah, no, it, I mean, that was certainly like it, this is Like, it's honestly just ridiculous to me that they're going to end their game with just such an absolute dumpster fire of an act. I mean, this is how they want their game to be presented, is this is Act 3. A lot of people don't even play New Game Plus. And especially, like, if it wasn't for the fact that we're doing it for a podcast, I would have stopped the second I beat Act 2. Because you'd have said, hey man, uh, it's a good game, it's Dragon Quest, you you may like it. I go through the gameplay, I get through Act 2, and I'm like, wow, that was literal garbage. Act 2, or Act 1 was cool, it was mega 100,000 times long, and then they took everything they did, they threw it in the dumpster, they set it ablaze, and then ended the game. I see no reason to ever play this crap again. I mean, it's very much, like I had talked about before, it seems feels very much kind of an homage to like Final Fantasy VI, which I had talked about, and since, you know, it's Square Enix, like they obviously have people that they can make references because it's their own games. It's not like they're competing products anymore, but I, that's the only thing I could think the whole time I do that. I played this because like I was saying, that's the include up to and including the part where, you know, you can have characters not survive and not make it into the second act and stuff. And that, although it's not a could in this case, poor Veronica, but well, Veronica's dead forever. You don't even get Veronica back. So I'm never going to get the cat suit. Man, this game is oh, so good. Man, I love it. You know, I guess all those complaints I had about the fact that she was still a child, I guess I see why they never resolved that because they're like, oh, we don't want to put an, an, an ounce of work into this game because we're just going to murder her anyway. Let alone, let's keep her as a child after that whole ordeal anyway because that was definitely a needed thing that had to happen for the story. She she couldn't have been a loud mouth that nobody in towns got along with anyway that had nothing to do with the fact that she was a child. But no, let's, ha-ha, she's a child. She wants to go get drunk and no one understands. Ha-ha-ha-ha-ha-ha. It's so funny. Doesn't everyone enjoy our jokes? I, dude, I'm sorry. That particular thing has definitely struck a nerve with you way more than it did with me, for sure. Like, I'd be... I absolutely, like, I really don't like this game. Clearly. At this point. I really... I'm sorry for anyone who really, really enjoys it. It The story is just so bad. It's just so bad. I see. I don't know that I would even agree that it's a bad story. It's just a very... It is very weirdly, weirdly dark in a way that I wasn't expecting, but I don't know that I would agree that the story is bad. You're right, because how could a generic story about good versus evil be bad? I mean, even yeah, though it's a generic copy and paste from other stories with a bunch of like sexualizing characters who don't even want it 
I mean, I'm not, don't get me wrong. I'm not gonna. We've we've had more than an, our share of talking about that particular. Like, what thing. has been good about it? Can you explain to me what's been I, good I about say that the it was story? Good, but it's it's Dragon Quest. There's like Act One is very much what a Dragon Quest game is to me in terms of you know you you go around you you visit all these places you see the world. yes it's generic it's 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 video game comfort food it's not anything that i go into it expecting something really deep but it did more or less met all checked all the boxes that i was expecting and those boxes are basically the same every game because that's what dragon quest does act 2 has been very different from that because they pulled that i guess end of act 1 twist or twist in the sense of you know that is not at all how I expected this to go, given what I know about Dragon Quest. And then they've really been kind of doubling down on that. And that has definitely been really weird. And it may just be the moment that we're in, you know, with the real world being as much of a disaster as it is and stuff like that. But yeah, like I, I'm not super here for it to be all grim and stuff. So I don't disagree with that. But like I was really enjoying Act 1, and I'll be honest, because I know you haven't started it yet, I actually am really enjoying Act 3, too. Act 2 is just weirdly dissonant with what I, what the usual Dragon Quest experience is to me. I'm not saying it's impossible for me to come around, but based off of the stuff that you've been saying right now, it makes me never want to play another Dragon Quest again. I mean, all I'm saying is most Dragon Quests would have been Act 1 and stopped. And that would have been perfectly fine. And I would have considered that a good story. But when you take all of the good and you just absolutely like dump all over it for an entirety of act two, however short it may be, like, I'm sorry, act three better be amazing. Or I, from my perspective, it's still a bad story. And if act three is so much better than act two, then why is it new game plus? Well, it's not New Game Plus, it's just post-game. But yes, I, that I do agree with. It really shouldn't be. Though I guess... Well, it gets a little it star is, around it. Yeah, but that doesn't, mean it's new, that doesn't mean it's New Game Plus, it's just it's a clear file because it's it, post-game. Okay, it's, so post-game. Well, game, I consider New Game... I know what you're saying, but to me it's very... It's it's kind of like the same thing. Well, because New Game Plus would be we're restarting the game. I with know like what New Game Plus is, Andrew. What I'm saying is having a little emblem... You're right. It's not New Game Plus. I was wrong, okay? Well, mark that down on the books. What I'm saying is you get a little star, you get a little marker saying that you've completed the game, and then you can compl- you can continue your save. I mean, That's what I'm getting at. I, I don't can- know what to call that because post-game doesn't really make sense to me considering there's more story. I, 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 I can sort of see why they made that decision because Act Two ends with you, you know, defeating Mordigan and saving the world and stuff, which you know we're going to get to here very shortly. But so, like, I can sort of get it, but I spoilers! That is one thing- I can't believe this. I haven't even finished Act Two. I'm just don't. kidding. I was about to say, don't, don't, don't do this. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that, but I completely agree with you in the fact that Act Three really, like feels like it should just be act three and not oh this is bonus content because yeah like there's stuff going on that is continuing the story even though you know oh you saved the world or whatever i don't know man this episode is just a downer for me in general because this whole this whole section here is just putting a huge damper on me ever playing dragon quest again 
And I know that you said that Dragon Quest is mostly like Act 1, in which case, yeah, sure, that sounds great. That sounds like your typical RPG, which is exactly what you would expect out of Dragon Quest. And then they were like, hey, let's do something out of the norm. Let's do something different. And then in this case, they didn't throw the guy out of the window, and then they allowed that guy to do whatever he wanted, but then <laughs> threw the guy out the window that said, hey, maybe not sexualize Jade so much. Yeah, that part, I fully agree, is completely irresponsible and terrible. Like, I'm not going to dispute that at all. I don't know, man. This whole... And then the, the way that they handle Veronica still rubs me the wrong way. Act two, everything in Act two has rubbed me the wrong way, with the exception of Eric, and I guess Rab. Well, and like the, or wait, know. not Rab, because you start out by the only reason that you know that it's him for sure is because he's got the the lewd magazine that Hendrick is apparently a fan of too. So now you got to destroy Hendrick's credibility along with Rab's. But uh, come uh, on, I was about to say like. The, the parts of Act 2 that have legitimately been been good, I think, have been, like you were saying, Eric, and also just, like, making peace with Hendrik and him joining up in the Heliodor stuff. That was good. No, no! That wasn't good, because you never got an apology out of the king! Hendrik stuff is good. Hendrik joining the party is good. That whole section, bad. Because of the king who apparently straight up murdered your dad and didn't even think it was worth mentioning. Oh, by the way, you may come across the mangled corpse of your father that I stabbed to death when I was Mortigan. You might want to, you know, deal with that before you move on. I hate, I hate, I hate Act 2. I, I hate it. I absolutely hate it. I truly and and sincerely despise the entirety of act two with the exception of Eric and Mia, but specifically Mia for now, because Eric didn't even learn the message that the entire arc he had was trying to teach, which is greed is bad. I really do. I hate, I just, I, you know, I think you've established your feelings about act two. I hate it. I hate it. I really hate it. And, and 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 it's just gonna get worse because we're still in that cave. Now that we've had that whole thing and we find find out that the dragon isn't dead, the kid runs back and he's basically like, Hey, she's an evil devil woman who lied to all of you. And I'm like, I probably wouldn't have start off with that, but okay. Um, yeah, he's got a point. Like me and the luminary in the background is like raising his hand. He's like no, he's totally right. She's definitely a liar. And they're like, what? You stupid kid. And then he's like, the dragon's still alive. The dragon lives. She lied to us. And then she's like, I'm going to kill you, kid. I mean, she didn't say I was going to kill the kid, but I wouldn't be surprised because it's her. And she's apparently <laughs> going to murder this kid's mom just because. Yeah. And so then we're going to go to. You know, while we're having this conversation, then it turns into that the dragon shows up and you have to fight it. It's a really quick and easy fight because it gets interrupted because the um, the lady like jumps in front of it and is like, no, you can't. That's my son. Wow. Nobody saw that coming. 
Well, I mean, nobody in the town did. <laughs> Man, this game just loves foreshadowing, although I guess that foreshadowing was from Act 1. But whatever. Yeah, I was going to say, that was son, actually... But it turns out her son's been the dragon this whole time, and she was going to feed all of these people to her son, because that's totally what he would have wanted. I was about to say, as far as foreshadowing goes, that's one of the better incidents uh, in this game. Um, but yes, so as, as it turns out, they did defeat the original dragon, but it like infected her son with its essence uh, or something, and he turned into the new dragon. Yeah, the dragon was afflicted by some curse, and it was likely somebody else as well. And when the son got like the final blow or whatever. It just went into him. And she was basically, she had this mirror thing that is apparently somehow the key. And that apparently, like, she's been trying to figure out what that is this whole time. Yeah, she was, it was supposed to, like, show your your true self or whatever. And she thought she could use it to break the curse, but never was able to get it to work. And so, basically, she was left to choose between the village and her son and was choosing her son. Even though her son is... We're about to see some craziness happen in this whole section because guess what happens next? And I know what you're thinking, everybody. I know exactly what you're thinking. If you are thinking, hey, that mom is totally going to sacrifice herself and let the son eat her, you are wrong because who would be thinking that? But that's what she does. She's like, take me, son. And the dragon just gobbles her up, swallows her, and flies back to the mountain. What? I, mean, I don't think that was that weird of a thing to have happen. Like, I mean, you're saying, who would have possibly thought of that? Like, I don't think that's that much of a stretch in terms of, like, the arc of where the story was going. That she was gonna, like, the only person that could potentially save him after you just stopped her, stopped her from murdering him. She's not going to like stick around to make sure that that whole, you know, murder plan doesn't stick. I mean, it that's again, I guess it's just back to that's very much how that sort of arc goes. And so it doesn't surprise me. Oh, so she's just, maybe that's why she couldn't figure out the mirror thing because she's just an idiot and doesn't think things through like, you know, feeding townspeople to a dragon creature. You're right. I'm sure people saw that coming. But I was like, um, really hope we don't have to save your son, because that's going to be a real weird conversation. Yeah, so it flies back, and so now we've got our next objective, so we're going to have to go kill this thing, because we don't really have any other options. So we have to go get the key to the mountain from her maid, which then her maid tells us the whole story about how her son, blah, blah, blah. We already went through this. I don't care. <laughs> Thank you for that elegant summary. Her son turns into the dragon, the dragon, blah, 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 blah. There's a curse. There's a mirror, but we don't even have the mirror because it turns out she took it with her when she was eaten alive by this, by this dragon. Yeah, so with that option out of the way, then it's time to go fight it. So we go through the mountain, and we're going to go fight it. And, you know... Because Act 2 has to be as dark as humanly possible. Like, it just wouldn't be Act 2 if we didn't throw one more, like, 
mega ultimate grim dark. You know, if we get to the part where Mortig where we actually fight Mortigan, it would not surprise me if he just unleashed some ultimate like Avengers level death where the entire planet dies and it's just you left. And he's like, you're going to have to repopulate even if you do kill me because this whole second act has just done an escalation of evil and bad. Yeah. You know, it is pretty unfortunate that this is the world that we're left with for sure. But I guess it's better than the world completely ending, at least presumably. Just which that would, doesn't happen, which is a true surprise. <laughs> Honestly, I was like, wow, you mean you didn't murder literally every single person on the planet right before this fight? Because that seems to be where the game is going. Did you like infect them with some super poison that just took really just killed everybody in a long agonizing death? Because apparently they've wow. just decided that this game has to be as dark as humanly possible. Let's have this dude totally eat his mom right in front of an entire town with children. And then that kid is like, oh, you got to go kill the dragon now. Everybody just heard that was her son. Oh, you can, she gave her life for this. You better go murder it. Okay. Anyway, so as it turns out, that's the reason why she was switching to human sacrifices was because of the fact that they weren't actually going to the volcano. They were going to be going to her son, the monster. <sighs> um, but yeah, so we go and we fight it and it's, you know, a, a little bit more elaborate of a fight this time, but it's still nothing terribly exciting. And... Then you beat it, and all of a sudden it starts to shine, glow, and it turns back into her son. Yeah, and he's like, oh, it turns out all you had to do was ingest the mirror and figure things out. What? What? He's like, how did you get the mirror inside me anyway? Oh, yeah, your mom totally sacrificed herself. You ate your mom like 10 seconds before this whole fight, by the way, just to let you know right before you die. Thankfully, they explicitly do not do that. I kind of feel like they should have. I feel like that's something you know how you have a full stomach. It's because you just literally ate your mom two minutes ago. He's dying. Why Why do that to him? Why not? We had to have a mom sacrifice anyway. Why not tell him? Why wouldn't they? Rab let a murderer go. Why isn't he allowing us to tell him this? Why has any decision in this game been made? Why do... I don't know, man. That just seems like a whole lot of really unnecessary cruelty to a dying man. Okay, so why? And then insert, like, Serena, Jade, Silvando, Rab, Hendrick, and then just everything else we've complained about okay but like i guess i'm confused because now you're complaining that they didn't do the worst possible thing because that's just what i expect at this point at this point i'm expecting the absolute worst and the, the question i have is why are they gonna not dick over this random dude but they're perfectly fine to do that to actual party members 
So you're right. I am complaining that they I mean, weren't bad to this guy, but that's because but this is the party that would the be the rest of the party. But this is the party that would be making the decision to be like terrible people to this random person. They're choosing not to because they would be the ones who would have to tell them. The kid was with him. He could have mentioned it. You ain't your mom, dude. The kid could have mentioned it. Okay, so I will say where I thought this was going to go <laughs> was we were going to defeat this, and then the little kid who was following us was going to get the curse and turn into the dragon monster. That's actually how I thought this was going to go, and I was thinking of, like, the worst possible scenario. Well, but then you have to make sure that you would have told him that he ate his mom, too. <laughs> Because the kid does insist on going with you, and it's like, what is it with children insisting on... We don't even have a child in our party anymore. What is it with children just insisting they come with us all the time? And more to the point is, why is Silvando like, eh, just let him come. He's safer with us anyway. Are you sure about that, dude? (laughs) We're constantly, like, getting in world-ending battles. We should totally bring all the kids that want to come along with us like what are you people doing reckless child endangerment is something that this party has just been perfectly okay with from the beginning but they're not going to tell this kid that he just ate his mom but that's fine you know i'm just i'm just surprised is all i'm really just surprised that they didn't go with the darkest possible option it is it's a welcome surprise but a surprise nonetheless so then you get back into town You tell everybody what's happened, and the kid's like, don't worry, me and my sisters got it from here. We'll keep the town in line. Uh, What? (laughs) Is there an adult we could talk to? (laughs) Maybe the maid? Literally anyone else who has any idea on what's going on? Don't worry, I got this. No, you don't. No, your mom has this better than you do. What are you talking about? But more importantly, we get access to the forge by doing this. Yeah, now that the kid is in charge, he's just going to give us whatever we want. And now I know that we did get that from the maid. But I want to think that for the rest of eternity, this kid is the leader of this entire town. (laughs) And he's just like free candy on all Tuesdays. Do you remember the, the backstory in parks and rec where he got elected mayor at 18 and like bankrupted the town? That's, that's where this is going, right? That's what I have to assume. Yeah. He's going to build an ice rink under the volcano and it's going to bankrupt everybody. So now that we've got our stuff, we can go into the forge and from there, we get to make a new sort of light because that was, we, we, you know, we don't have that because Mortigan just, well, not didn't destroy corrupted the old one and took it. So we have to make a new one because as we found out from these flashbacks, the original luminary and his crew made it like it wasn't some artifact that had always existed or whatever. The original crew made it and then it had just been stored in Ingrazil so we're making a new one and there's a little scene where like everybody hammers on it some, and you know, they all give a, we're with you until the end speech and you know, how important this is. I do kind of feel like they should have been like, Hey, maybe not 
if this guy was so amazing at his job, the original luminary, and he's the the legendary superhero ultimate guy, kind of seems like maybe we shouldn't just leave that sword sitting around. And I know it wasn't just sitting around, but Mortigan got a hold of it, so kind of seems like that sword is something that maybe you should just leave, you know, you know, you just got to forge a new one, guys. Let's just figure this out. If our luminary doesn't <laughs> come up with something better. Yeah, then we, we have a, these luminaries just are real bad. <laughs> They're just Look, all real they got, bad at their jobs. All they got to do is save the world. What happens after that is not their problem anymore. Like, I'm off duty. I don't care. Yeah, none of this. Do you understand that none of this matters? Like, I'm I'm done. I, I get to job. take a break now. Yeah. I woke up one day. They told me I was the luminary. My life has been literal hell since then. And now I'm just going to take a break. And then he just throws the sword like into the ocean or whatever. And the queen of the, of the sea is like, I guess I have to deal with this too. Now. <laughs> Which I don't think we mentioned before, but, uh, the, Mermaids and the fish people did survive and come back after you kill um, the giant fish monster. Because you can actually go revisit it. Nautica. I went, kept wanting to say Atlantica, and I'm like, that was Little Mermaid. That's not right. <laughs> yeah, Nautica. Um, yeah, you are able to get back there. And then you can turn into a fish and swim around and get some extra treasure chests and stuff. It was kind of neat. Which you actually have to turn into a fish to get those. Yes. And to get some side quests that are in there. Although oh, did I didn't try wanted- buying stuff from the shop as a fish. I probably you, should have, though. It does have some stuff. Uh, I think there was only, like, one thing in there that was better than what I already had. But I did, like, finish off a couple outfits. Like, Eric has a cool pirate outfit now. Okay. I need to go back to the place and go get that <laughs> pirate outfit. Because I didn't know that was an option. Yeah, he's got an eye patch and everything. Well, this changes everything. <laughs> I love this game now. You know, if only I had seen the cat outfit on Veronica, I'd be even more devastated when Veronica died. Well, someday maybe you'll get that chance, but I doubt it because I don't think you'll ever go back and play it again. I mean, I'm going to play the post game. Yeah. So like if Veronica comes back in the post game somehow... Because it's apparently so much better than the than Act 2. I think so. I mean, I'm curious what you'll think, but I definitely think it's... Honestly, I, at least so far, I'm relatively early, but I feel like it might be my favorite part of the game so far. Well, Which considering... comes back to the problem of it really shouldn't be post-game, it should just be the regular game. Considering the fact that Act 2 was so horrible... If it wasn't good, I'd be unbelievably surprised. Like, what could they have possibly done to make it even worse? But now that we've got our sword, we can actually go to the final dungeon of Act 2 and really the game as a whole before you get the you win screen, which is Mortigan's Tower up that we haven't been able to get to because he's had like a cloud of evil energy and we need the Sword of Light to dispel it. There's not a ton of plot for most of this. You just kind of go through, you f- you fight the last couple major bosses. Uh, like again, when you first show up, you fight that guy that Eric had been dealing with. 
that he had, that we had talked about in Eric's character story. Uh, and of course, he's kind of a chump at this point because I just was stomping everything by the time I got here because I did all the side quests and stuff. So I was very overpowered for this part. What level were you? Uh, like six sixty one, I think, on the luminary. Respectable level. Where I'm at in the story now, I'm I think sixty five because you level up fairly quickly in the post game. Seems like I'm about sixty nine. Nice. And I'm not even in the post game because I haven't done it yet. Yes, I know. So the only real story that happens is near the very end. I will say I kind of liked the layout of the final dungeon because each floor was like walled off and then you could break through it. And then there were always those dragon rider monsters. So you could fly up to whatever floor you left off at. If you wanted to go back and save, I thought like the, the layout was pretty neat, but Nothing really happens plot-wise until you get near the very end, and then you run into Jasper. And we get to have our big final showdown with Jasper. And unlike the first time that we tried to fight him way back in Act 1, you know, you can actually stomp him pretty good this time. Even though he has a transformation and summons help. And and then we have his big talk with Kendrick where he's like, you know, you, I was always I was just so frustrated that you were better than me. And Kendrick does the whole... You don't understand. It was only because of you that I could do the things I did. And it was like, again, very cliche, but it worked. But it's almost time to go fight Mordigan. Except when you try to go step into the teleporter, Jasper's back. And so are all the other enemies that we killed. And they, like, kidnap the rest of the party in chains of evil dark energy or whatever. And they're like... Uh, Luminary, you want to go face Mordigan? You can, but you're going to have to do it by yourself because we've got all your friends. And that lasts for all of like five seconds because the party immediately is like, no, and they use the power of, I guess, power of friendship or something to break the bonds and defeat everybody again. I also want to say that they have this whole touching moment with between Jasper and, and Hendrick that I feel yeah. like you're just glossing over. I mean... Feel free to elaborate on it then, because, like, yeah, I mean, it was a good, like, bit of of closure for Hendrik and his arc, but, yeah, feel free to go into it some more. Well, he specifically mentions, Hendrik, I only ever wanted to be like you. I always felt like I was in your shadow, and the, the more you succeeded, the more I... I delved into the shadows and I mean, I guess on some level he's basically like, it's totally your fault. I'm evil, but that's not really, I, I don't feel like that's the message they were trying to give is they were just trying to say he could never live up to Hendrick and that's all he ever wanted. And it yeah. eventually led him to wanting more power. I feel like that's a really touching moment that you're just like, Oh, the party just overcomes everything. And then we go with them to fight Mortigan. Okay, I mean, that's fair, and th and that's where Hendrik gives that little thing I was talking about, of like, well, you know, you, you don't understand, I was only able to achieve the things I did because I always had you at my back, and stuff. And no, I don't disagree, like, I mean, it's, I think it is a pretty good moment, I'm not trying to sell it short, but after this, you break through, and now it's go time to go, to go fight Mordigan for real this time go up, you know, there's one last save point and all that stuff to get you ready, and then 
you go in and you fight Mordigan in his super ultimate demon form. Uh, and he had some really annoying moves, I seem to recall. Like, the one... Well, I mean, he'd love to do the thing where he's like, oh, he takes away all your buffs, which was incredibly irritating. <laughs> Especially because Pep counts as a buff, so you lose Pep if he does that. But I finally have learned to not sit on Pep and just, like, use it immediately when I'm in a boss fight. Yeah, I just... I constantly spam all my Pep stuff. But... So you fight Mordigan's first phase, and everything seems like you win, and then... It, you know, you get the big rumble, and oh, surprise, he's a multi-phase boss, and now he's a giant dragon monster thing. But he's like a demon head and like a dragon head on his tail. He's got two parts. <laughs> and it's interesting at first because they like weave in and out where you can only attack one part of them to start with. Like, only the tail gets close and the head just like occasionally casts a spell at you and then vice versa. But then eventually they're both there and you can target them all the time. And so then I just start opening up with my, you know, kabooms and things of that nature to try to wear him down very quickly. That was probably the fight. I came the closest to game overing in the entire game so far though. I, I, he got a couple of my people and I could just could not get them back up. I had to wind up doing subs and stuff, but I did eventually beat him on the first try. Did he ever, like, eat any of your yes. people? Yes, he did. Because he that definitely, like, chewed on Serena for me for, like, several turns. I finally started using Serena because her ability to cast multiple spells. It says sometimes that thing fires off constantly. Oh, yeah. That's what I was saying. Like, she's really good. With that that thing fires off, like, every few turns, I feel like. I was getting it, like, multiple turns in a row and, when I was fighting him. And the thing that's really cool about it that I discovered is it will happen, like, she'll do it intelligently, too, because, like, I, I had one time where Jade and the Luminary were both poisoned, so I had her catch Squelch on the Luminary, and then she got an Echo, and on the Echo, she cast it on Jade instead of casting it on the Luminary again, so she did it to both of them. Like, it auto-directed the target to someone who actually needed it instead of it just being a wasted second spell. And I thought that was really cool. I'm assuming it would do the same thing if she killed multiple or if she killed a creature. Oh yeah, it does. I mean, spell would. Like, that's how that that is a actually a really nice touch that there is something like that because that's actually not something that I would expect. Yeah, no, I was really surprised by that because I figured, oh, he's going to do it again, you know, it's a waste whatever. It doesn't cost any more mana. Just kind of sucks that it chose that turn, but then she's like, "Jade, like Yes, this is awesome. Oh yeah, Serena's amazing with that echo, man. That make that makes her so good. You can cast like multi heal, and then she'll echo it, and then everybody is like super full health because if they somehow didn't quite make it on the first one, the second one's definitely going to get them there. Or yeah, you cast like kaboom, and then she does it again, and it's like seven hundred damage to everything by the time it's done. And I'm like, you are so cool. I love you. <laughs> no, I love I love Serena now. So. When we finally defeat Mardigan, that's the that's it. That's the end of the game. We get the ending sequence now. They escape. Mardigan, you know, dies. Luminary picks up the Sword of Shadows, which is cool because you immediately have that in the post game. And wait, the Luminary picks up the Sword of Shadows. Yep. 
Bro, you just take the super mega evil sword with you? you? Sure? Do you not even cleanse it? Nope, you sure use it. It's a great sword, though, so I didn't actually use it very much. But. Wow. Um, I'm gonna... What do you mean you didn't use it? You don't immediately put that on Hendrik? No, just like the Sword of Light, it's Luminary only. Oh. Uh, but I also... You also very quickly get better stuff in the post-game. The power... Uh, creep in Act 3 is very fast. But we'll be talking about that next week, probably, because now we're getting into the typical ending. You ride away on the whale, and as the credits are playing, you get little scenes of everybody kind of dropping off at their individual locations to go back to, like, Rab stops in Dundrasil at the, um, you know, grave of his daughter and her husband, the king and queen, and so you just gradually see the group getting smaller and smaller because everybody just leaves at their different locations. And then eventually it's just Jade, Hendrick, and the Luminary going back to Cobblestone at the very end. And then there's a little scene at the like post, post credits before you save your clear file of the Luminary like standing out looking at the water in Cobblestone and all the other characters just kind of like reuniting and coming up and like standing with him and that's the end. And I like, I thought it was a nice um, underplayed, or I guess not, not underplayed, but like subtle sort of ending. I thought that the ending was handled fairly well other than I, I, I think it was Eric. Somebody makes a comment about how, you know, it's really a shame we couldn't do this sooner, but at least we did it like before all these other things happened, which I'm sure Chris, you probably took that as like, Oh God, you're just rubbing act two in my face again at that point. Sure. <laughs> but then you get a little message of, you know, a week a week later they return to Arborea for a final farewell to to Veronica and then that's where you get the to be continued. I will say I thought the bit where Serena gets dropped off at Arborea and she finally just starts breaking down and crying like you know, we had talked about her trying to move on and the grief and how unrealistic that felt, but it felt kind of like now she finally gets to breathe and she's finally feeling all those things she wasn't letting herself feel before. I don't know how you felt about that, but I thought that was a good scene. What scene? Oh, you, you didn't see that in the in, during the credits? No, I might have missed it. Which one are you talking oh, about? Yeah, um, when Serena gets dropped off at Arborea, it's like as they're all like gradually going home at, during the credit sequence... When she first gets back, she just, like, like, as basically as soon as she steps away from the party, she just, like, immediately breaks down and starts crying. And like I said, I felt like that was her, like, okay, I can finally feel all these feelings I haven't been letting myself feel because I had, we had work to do and now it's over and I can actually have the emotions that I was fighting off. I don't know if it possibly. Yeah. I mean, that's how I took that scene. I so I don't know if you missed it. It, like, it kind of seemed like they were just dropping everybody off at home. No, they were, but the, he, there was a bit with Serena specifically where, like, when they do the drop off, like, it cuts away for a second, and she's like standing at Veronica's grave, and she just starts crying. Oh, I definitely missed that part. Then I know that she was with her parents at the end. I didn't see her with the. It, it was, I, I mean, didn't it's see just her a, crying with. It was just a quick shot like everything else. It wasn't like a huge long thing. And, you know, there's no dialogue or whatever because it's got the ending credits theme playing and stuff like that. But I just was like, I thought that was 
fairly tasteful, especially given what we had talked about last week. Well, yeah, I mean, in that case, it is very, it does make a lot of sense. Which, like, now that it's finally over, I can feel the feelings that I haven't haven't let myself feel. Yeah, I mean, I am, and don't get me wrong, I now I I missed that spe- specific part. So having hearing that that is nice. While I feel like they still should have done Act Two in a different order, so she had more time to grieve in the moment. I feel like it still would have been a little bit better, but I guess then how are you going to fight the dragon unless you started in Arborea? So like, there's a lot of, yeah, I, no, I, 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 don't, I don't know. I'm just I, I, saying that I, I'm just annoyed in the moment of, Hey, suddenly it's like she had, like, that's why I was annoyed about that. Section. No, and that's fair, but that's why I specifically wanted to bring that up. Cause I'm like, you know, it, we had talked about it, but it, they did kind of loop back to that and her finally getting her chance to, to grieve. Although on some level that does feel like kind of a cop out, but but I also think that's not unbelievable either. The person who's like, okay, I can't deal with this now, but then now that I'm now that it's over and like the adrenaline's gone and stuff, now it's going to hit me. Yeah, and that makes a lot of sense because I can I can see that. Although if these people were hopped up on adrenaline for like, you know what I mean, though. <laughs> but yes, if they were hopped up on adrenaline that whole time. They would, like, pass out for weeks when it eventually faded, (laughs) assuming they didn't have heart attacks in the middle of it. But with that, that's the end of Act 2. Is there anything else you want to cover? Next week, we'll be going, we'll be starting into the post game. Is there anything else you want to mention in the Act 2 stuff, though? Um, I I think you made your opinion very clear, (laughs) and I don't disagree. I think Act 2 was a lot less enjoyable than Act 1, for sure. But I hope you'll enjoy what's coming up a little bit more. Well, honestly, for for Dragon Quest's sake, I I hope so too, because I've kind of taken a massive dump on it for the last <laughs> like three episodes. And for anyone who really likes Dragon Quest and specifically this one, like, don't get me wrong, I I'm not like I'm not saying you can't like it or like you know your your opinions aren't valid or whatever. It's just like it based off of everything that I've kind of mentioned so far, it just does not seem like my kind of game because like, I, I don't, I guess I don't really know how to put it. It doesn't like I've been dumping on the game forever and I feel kind of bad about that, but it's just like, I feel like there's so many problems that could have just been easily avoided by like not making some, not making a lot of the mistakes that they made. And by I mean, mistakes, I just mean like cultural stuff. Like, I feel like there's stuff that they could have easily it just avoided. Really seems like the, Especially the, for a game that came out in like, what, 2018? Something like that. Yeah, I think it was 2017, I think, originally. But yeah, it, not very old, for sure. But, I mean, a lot of the stuff, like, you know, Yggdrasil got got restored, which we didn't mention. When you beat Mardigan, Yggdrasil gets restored. So, like, the world isn't dying anymore, but it's still a pretty lousy place. And it's really unfortunate that it got to this state. And, like, all of Act 2 is basically just elaborating how bad it is that we couldn't beat Mardigan the first time around, more or less. Good job, hero. Bang, like, banging your head over. This is what happens because you messed up. Even though we didn't mess up because there wasn't anything we could have done differently. On that... Uh, well, on that note, that's going to be the end of this episode. Like I said, next week will be the post game. But for now, 
As always, you can find us on Twitter or email or in our Discord, and the information will be in the episode description. I am the Luminary. 